and happy Monday. This is a very special Monday personally for myself because we are coming to you live, of course, on Last Week in Wrestling podcast. But we have someone, really a great group of guys over in the Denmark area across the pond, finally hearing my call to come on over and talk all things wrestling with me over here in the in the United States. So I'm so happy to introduce our very, very special guest, uh, Nikolai uh, from the Wrestler and the Nerds podcast. And of course, this is the Last Week in Wrestling podcast where each and every week we like to give you, of course, great new content of podcasting for wrestling as well as anything uh, watch-along-wise, review-wise. we got a whole bunch of other crazy stuff that we do over here on the channel. But I'm going to cut this intro short because I want to give it to my man over here to talk a little bit quickly about himself. And then we're going to get into some awesome, amazing wrestling topics that we have for you guys today. So, Nikolai, I want you to take it away, buddy. Go ahead. Oh, uh, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's really an honor to uh, spread a little bit uh, wrestling love across the pond. Yeah. It's not that often because of the time difference that I'm yeah. sitting here talking about wrestling because normally I would be in my bed maybe dreaming about wrestling instead <laughs> of uh, talking about wrestling. Uh, probably it's wrestling 24-7 for me. But but again, I'm I'm actually here because I have a podcast as well as maybe a little bit of surprise to some of you viewers, but yeah, yeah, that's right. But I have this uh, podcast with uh, some other guys in uh, Denmark where we do a lot of uh, mainly focus on the big promotions like uh, AEW, WWE, but we also have a lot of focus on the Danish indie scene. Mm. And right now we're doing a lot of focus interviews with the, all of the Danish wrestlers in, in all the promotions roster. So we're going them person wrestler by wrestler to uh, to let them tell the story behind the wrestler so it's very very interesting but unfortunately they are in danish but maybe we will sometimes in the future we'll get some uh, subtitles on them because it's go. it's very very interesting because i think that our podcast we have a responsibility to tell the story about the danish indie scene because it's not that big it might not be that known in the out in the world of wrestling but we have some very very great wrestlers we have some very great promotions actually the one with uh, my t-shirt on here nordic elite wrestling mm. I, I help them a little bit with the uh, accounting um and <laughs> and sometimes actually one of the guys in our podcast uh, Martin, he's also a wrestler in um, Nordic Elite Wrestling. He's also in the podcast where we do. <clears throat> oh, my! Sorry for my voice. Uh, he's also doing um, some episode with us about AEW, and awesome. we also have another guy, a very old guy. We'll we'll just sometimes we're just uh, teasing him, uh, doing a little bit of funny stuff with him. Um, called Chaos. He's a he's a veteran, and he was. One of the guys who was with Danish wrestling in the beginning of the early, early days of uh, Danish uh, pro wrestling. That's really and, cool. Um, yeah, yeah. We have our um, our panel of uh, people is also very, very diverse because we also have a former UFC fighter called uh, Christian Colombo, who's also doing um, a lot of uh, stuff with us. He's... Uh, very new in the in the podcast but but i got uh, 
one of the other guys, Jonas Holm, who's also with us, he's um, he's uh, he was talking to me and we were talking about maybe we should get uh, raising the bar. This is a little bit of homage to Seamus and Claudio, just a shout out to those two guys. And and we, we were talking about raising the bar, raising the quality of the podcast. And Jonas said to me, well, you, you have maybe you have to put some intention on this guy here because he, he might know a little bit about wrestling. Mm-hmm. And, awesome. and then I'm also every time I'm taking a new person into uh, to the podcast team, I'm doing a little bit of chat with him for about 20 minutes or so to get to know the guy to see if there's some good chemistry and so on. Because I think you just have to put one bad apple in the basket to to uh, what can you say poison all the others. Yeah. Uh, so so it's very important for me that we have a good chemistry between us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and for us, actually, the podcast started way long. We have uh, done about 67 episodes now. Oh, wow. Uh, we've, been, we've been a little over a year. And it, actually, it all started with me being this uh, old guy with his <laughs> telephone doing some crazy interviews with some of the Danish wrestlers. And uh, I did actually one with Kim, the guy was telling about a little bit early on. And he was saying why don't we do a podcast? I say, well, that's a great idea. And the funny thing, actually, when we had to do our first episode, I was quite new with all the technical stuff and so on. We had bought some uh, microphones and so on, setting up, and we were sitting in my uh, living room and uh, placed the two microphones and so on. And then we, we actually had to, I pressed record, and we were recording this episode, and it was so great until I found out that I hadn't put the memory card in. Oh, so, <laughs> so, but uh, but you have to look at everything very positive. So I said to right. him, well, 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 you have to think about this. This was just a test. Now we have the possibility to do it even better. Right. <laughs> you ah, have hey, to find listen. something positive in yeah, everything. You got so, to be optimistic for sure. Yeah, every, every time. So we did this episode and then it developed from there. We had some different guys in but now i'm quite satisfied satisfied with everyone we got and um i'm the most uh comfortable in doing english episodes so it's mainly me who does this kind of stuff with you which is such such an honor for me to uh, to be on this show because mm. yeah so thank you and and for us we hope to develop more cooperations with uh, podcast across around the world but it's it's mainly english in england we have i actually done two episodes now i think with g-pop those oh, wow uh, those bastards i'm still still thinking about that they are cheating just so i can't win the fourth time i think there will be so this is to all the others that's participating in that one be be aware of those guys be aware, they, be aware. Yeah, yeah. They don't want me to be the f- first, fourth time champion in fantasy faction. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. So that's why they call me the Danish heel, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, All right. Yeah, well, now yeah, we yeah. got a nice backstory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I awesome. Think that, I think it's actually, if you ask me, it's just jealousy at its worst. <laughs> so... So, but but this is also. I think we also have to do a little shout out to um, 
to everyone if there's some other podcast wrestling podcast uh, is listening here or yeah. is going to listen to this show drop a dm to the cheap pop wrestling podcast so you can participate in this fantasy faction it's a great community we're talking Absolutely. we have this great conversations discussions and uh, it's also a good way to learn from other podcasters how to be a better podcaster how to develop your podcast and to get some cross collaboration content so yeah no i know i have cheap pops actually coming on for the nxt watch along uh oh. for nxt great american bash pay-per-view that's coming up uh july 30th they're going to be uh my this will be our first time working together and it'll be my very special guests to have them on the actual podcast itself doing the the watch along so i'm very excited for all of that um you, but you should actually ask them uh, how good a pick uh, jay cargill as captain was The heel, the heel. I got two heels that I now know. I got Wolf, the heel, the optimistic one, and I got the Danish heel. So I yeah. got, I, I got, I love it though. I love the heel work sometimes. The heel work sometimes works the best. So it always does in the end. Absolutely. It's always heels that gets the biggest pop. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Not the cheapest, but the biggest. Absolutely. Yeah, the biggest. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but of course, this is the last week in wrestling podcast where we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of AEW and wrestling topics that have been talked about these past uh, week in wrestling between AEW and WWE. So, of course, my special guest is the Wrestler and the Nerds podcast right over here. And that was an awesome intro. I'm so happy to be working with you finally. I know we've been talking about it for a few weeks. We just tried to get the timing because of the time difference, time zone difference. But now we're here. Now we made it happen. So I am excited to talk all things wrestling with you. So let's get right into our first topic of the actual show, which is AEW and Warner Brothers Media is possibly partnering together to make the AEW promotion, AEW Dynamite Collision and Rampage, a subscription-based service, meaning that now AEW would be able and viewable now on HBO Max. So for some who have HBO Max is a big, big thing. It is a big, big win. But for others, they're looking at it as not so much of a win due to the fact that when this announcement was kind of released, we had the new match rules per se that Warner Brothers wanted to install with no chair shots to the head anymore. Bleeding was done. A lot of the aggression that we see on Dynamite and Collision, the way that these wrestlers wrestle would kind of be almost looked upon or maybe not so much appreciated the way us as the fans appreciate it because it is a very different type of promotion compared to something like WWE. So with this big news happening this past week, what do you think? Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Do we think that with Warner Brothers media kind of coming in and starting to toil with some of what Tony Khan and everybody else has built along the way. Now maybe changing it to more of a PG or PG 13 type of showing compared to what it has been uh, this, you know, this whole run up to now. Well, I think you have to take it in uh, two steps. This thing, I think first things first, the deal with Warner Brothers, if it's, if it's going through, I think it's 
a, not a game changer, but it just puts even more focus on wrestling. And more focus on wrestling is fantastic. No doubt about that. And more money in wrestling means better quality. And I think it, it was just great because if it gets on HBO Max, it will reach a lot of more peoples. And one thing I'm very, very tired about when we talk about AEW is so much focus on everyone else than AEW about the ratings, the number of viewers, because in today's society, you can't measure the success of a show like Collision, like Rampage, like Dynamite on viewers alone, because it's only measuring a certain amount of people that's watching on Flow TV and not online like I do on Fight TV, on The Zone and, and so on. So I think it's actually, there's a very big, large number of people watching that you don't really know how big AEW is actually. And then we, I know we're going to talk it, uh, about it a little bit later on in the show, but you can just watch what's happening at the Wimpley now with All In. The number of selling tickets say says a lot about how popular AEW is and will be in the future. And Warner, the deal with Warner Brothers will elevate AEW. And again, the other stuff about what they can do and what they cannot do when if it's go on HBO Max, I think actually the blood thing is a good thing if it's if they tone it a little bit down, um, right? Because I think it's has taken. I think I'm looking forward to blood and guts in uh, just a few yeah, days. Yeah, Wednesday. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's that match. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. But but I think actually it could be a good thing. So we may not see so many injuries because I think we're beginning to see more and more injuries in AEW. So I think it's a good way if it protects the wrestlers so they can do, I think they can still do a lot of the stuff, mm -hmm. but maybe in another way. So I don't think all in all, I think it's a good thing, but. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of agree with you to an extent. I, you know, the numbers thing, um, I, you know, of course, as, as content creators, as fans, as people who do care for all the little nooks and crannies, those things do take into a part, especially when making a brand new promotion, a third party, more or less for what AEW has been, you know, now having collision, of course, it's peak was that first episode, which we all knew was going to be an amazing, amazing episode. Um, as the episodes kind of continued on, we saw that decline in viewership and stuff. Now, yes, we could say that, you know, it's a Saturday night. Not many people are going to be want to watching uh, wrestling on a Saturday night, especially for fans who either just know big promotions like the WWE and it's not a pay-per-view for up and coming uh fans of this of this community fans of this product itself of aew some fans are busy you know they're out they're hanging out with their wives or their girlfriends or their boys or they're going out clubbing into the bars and you know it's summertime so there's a lot of different aspects that play into those numbers per se as we look at the up and down from what collision has started to where it's at uh currently i feel um, but to your point with 
how it's going to only enhance the wrestling community having um AB, uh, AEW on a, a subscription program like HBO Max or HBO um I do agree I think that this is a great step in the right direction because if let's say you missed collision or you missed dynamite because it is on a work week dynamite and so is rampage as well as collisions on a weekend where there's family and friends and other things happening you might not be able to catch it you now can on sundays you now can on a monday when you're off or what have you you can kind of watch it throughout you can skip parts and watch moments that have happened in the show or to your only you know excited matches that you were excited to see anyway and skip the other stuff that you weren't really care for uh you know to begin with with the product itself so i definitely think this is a, a step in the right direction um it's actually really funny that warner brothers and we are having this conversation because a few episodes back i had a great guest on uh cody cornett where we had like a 20 minute uh, discussion about subscription services and how this would probably be a, a, an amazing thing for wrestling fans alike. You know, paying that 20, let's say, or $30 and having a WWE, AEW, Ring of Honor, GCW, all in like a one location per se, where all fans of all different parts of the community can go ahead and watch whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted, however they wanted. Um, now a lot more easier than trying to be there for that one night or that day or what have you say, um, you know, it, it's, that's a bigger, that's a bigger achievement and a bigger win for us fans alike. You know, if let's say I'm working on a Wednesday and I don't get home till nine, you know, I missed the first hour of dynamite, but now with HBO max, I could go back, you know, that night, or I can go back the next day and watch the whole show without any issue now having that with let's say monday night raw friday night smackdown stuff like that that also is a big win um for myself i use youtube tv as my uh cable provider per se where it has all of the channels of tnt and dynamite and everything there so i can without ease uh with ease i should say uh go back and watch certain parts of the match that i missed or the match entirely, the show entirely, and stuff uh, in between. So I think the idea and the concept of, of wrestling becoming a subscription type of thing in the near future, I think is definitely um, a step in the right direction. And it makes now fans of all ages a lot more accept, uh, accessible for everyone in between. So I definitely think that this could be a big win um, for AEW being that first one to try out the waters and see if it sticks um, in, in this subscription-based service. Because everything now, DoorDash, Uber, YouTube, you know, Hulu, Netflix, everything is a subscription. Everything now is you're paying per month type of thing. So it's, you know, it's in a perfect time to try something of this out with this modern era that we have now where everything is a subscription-based service uh, compared to what it was, you know, 10, 15 years ago, where it was a cable and you pay for every pay-per-view, kind of like how we do on Fight TV or Bleacher Report uh, and everything. So I think it's really cool. And, you know, to, to your point with the, the wrestling, how now it's going to be modified to not having so many injuries 
prone, especially with Moxley, who is probably bleeding as we speak right now. Uh, <laughs> you know, somewhere. <laughs> somebody, right? He's doing something right now where he's bleeding. Um, you know, not having all of that um, on a daily to day basis or on a show per show basis, I think is a, a step in the right direction um, because you want to save those moments more or less for the pay-per-views, the forbidden doors, the revolutions, the, the, you know, uh, battle of the belts, even let's say or something where the intensity of the match is so high that something of that nature has to happen to just push it over the, the edge to, to its next, um, you know, big uh, step forward. Yeah, yeah, I think actually we we can't stop the we can't stop the streaming train that's rolling um, in this in the society as as of now because I think we have to just embrace the fact that we get the possibility to watch more great wrestling content yeah. and we get wrestling out to a much wider audience with HBO Max and that in the end will create more wrestling fans. And that's great for wrestling because then we give the fans something something new to watch, something other than WWE, maybe something different from AEW, maybe more Triple uh, A, maybe more Game Changer Wrestling, Major yeah. League Wrestling, and maybe uh, more uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. So even though exciting. it's very accessible as we speak at the... Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling's own streaming service, but still maybe to give get wrestling more accessible for a wider audience. I think it's the key word here to develop the knowledge and develop the appetite for wrestling. Because, because I think, and you said it totally right, because wrestling, you don't watch wrestling normally on a Saturday because as we speak, you're going out to get a drink, hanging out with friends, girlfriend, and um, other stuff. The, then you watch your wrestling if when you come home, you have to watch maybe the first hour and then the next day, the last two hours and so. But that's how the, what can I say, the way that people are watching television now, their habits have uh, changed very, yep. very much. So, So you have to, and that's a smart thing, actually, if AEW is going to embrace that fact and see, okay, if we have to go get to a wider audience, we have to have to get this deal with Warner Brothers because it could help us get more wrestling fans and more people watching our product. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And exactly. You hit it right on the head. It, it, it's, it's where we're at now currently. It's a different time. It's a different era of streaming. It's a different time of television. It's not what it used to be anymore. And because of that, now this easier, more accessible services allow you to rewind and fast forward and play and pause and watch wherever you go. I mean, on a plane, on a train, wherever you know it may be. And it's become a lot more feasible now to expand this form of uh, content, this this sports that we love, this entertainment that we love now to even a broader audience by having it on a subscription that majority of people already know and have been established with since the 90s when HBO 
was created, you know, with Oz and ER now on there and a whole bunch of other wild and interesting shows that have now taken its place. And now you can rewatch everything now is, you know, on Netflix, on Hulu, on this, on that Paramount, you know, everything's a combined service. You can get Hulu, Disney plus and ESPN all for like $80 a month or something. So like all of that now and the accessibility of it all, the nature of it all where we're at now, I think is a perfect match for what we would like to see happen. And of course, the expansion of the community size to keep growing and growing is a, it's a beautiful thing. So it's definitely something that I'm definitely all for. I'm definitely all for a lot more, less injuries uh, on these matches. You know, we just recently today learned that Bailey got hurt uh, from yesterday from a knee injury. You know, Dante Martin from the uh, February, March pay-per-view completely switched his ankle around and, and, you know, now all of top flight is down. They're all been accident prone and, you know, accidents like that do happen in this sport. But again, having those rules of engagement in place now, I think, you know, maybe might hinder it for some fans who like the aggression and attitude of what AEW is. But if we're looking at it as a whole and what it actually benefits it's benefiting the wrestlers so that way we can see them wrestle three days out of the week, sometimes four days out of the week, you know, and, and I think that is a bigger win to all of us than being like, well, I don't like it now because they took the chair shots out. Oh, I don't like it now because there's no more barbed wire death matches on Wednesdays. It's like, no, 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 it's there. It's just, you know, maybe not on television anymore per se. It's on the pay-per-view now. So now it's more, you know, it, it almost – sells the ticket itself per se for the pay-per-views now because those <clears throat> excuse me the extreme matches the extreme moments that we've been accustomed to on television now can be more viewable and easy access for a pay-per-view of uh, of one nature so I, I I'm very I'm very excited to see where aew um, goes really from all of this especially with the Warner Brothers um deal that is in place now um speaking of pay-per-views and all this other fun fun stuff we recently this past saturday had of course collision where we crowned the new owens hart men and women's uh champion we had of course willow nightingale became the first woman uh owen hart uh champion uh, after Britt baker from the previous year and uh ricky starks for the men's uh, uh bracket for the men's uh, Owen Hart ch championship. And then following suit, we had Battle of the Belts, where we had three decent matches. I'm not going to say they were great. I'm not going to say they were jaw-dropping or anything of that nature, but I would say that they were good for what it wanted uh, it to be. Um, but Battle of the Belts, it's now their seventh Battle of the Belts, on a television set premise. Is Battle of the Belt something that you look forward to when announced on a TV show? Or is it something that you'd rather see not exist anymore and just kind of keep these Battle of the Belts per se on the pay-per-views itself where they've been for majority of our time in this wrestling community? Well, actually it was 
it was great to see one of one of the guys that I actually met when I was in LA for WrestleMania. I actually met Sean Spears. He's a great guy. Oh, uh, I was okay. at a podcast recording with the FTR uh, with Dax uh, at Matt Coon, where I met um, actually. I met um, Sean Spears. I met Dax and Cash. I met Wardlow. I met Powerhouse Hobbs, and oh, wow. they were actually texting CM Punk uh, live at the show. So. Oh, wow. I had a That's little really bit cool. of a, I had a little bit of a wet dream. CM Punk dropping in as a mystery guest, guest, but I, it was Sean Rossap, and it was also great to see a guy from uh, wow. Fight for Select. Yeah, he was. It was such a great show. And the, the funny thing about Sean Spears, and I always get that picture every time I hear, hear his name. Uh, he came in with a bag of chips, and he was eating chips all the way through the show. That's uh, great. And he gave the back to some other guys at the show after the recording. So I think actually, if you have to elevate Battle of the Belts to give it the power and give it meaning to, you have to elevate it to a pay-per-view and doing it mainly with focus where you put every belt that you have on the roster, on the line, and not just pickpocketing, picking, I want, we're going to have a, match for this belt this belt and this belt so every people so people know wrestling fan knows that if we're talking battle at the belt every belt is on the line this is where you where you have the possibility where you have to change belts and flip flopping and so on so i think you have to rethink it to make it mean i don't actually look forward to to it's something special not as much as they look forward to blood and guts like we're going to see here because it's very unique in its expression like war games in WWE. Mm-hmm. Battle of the Bells doesn't really make sense because they don't give it the power and and the, they don't use the name probably because it's battle for some bells. It, it's not battle for of the bells. So... I think they have to rethink this to give it, yeah. So, so what's what's your thoughts about it? Because I'm just, I, mean, just... I don't like it. I'll be very honest. I don't like it. I, I and it's pretty much everything to what you said. You know, you're gonna have a hour show, a, a part two of Rampage per se, uh, on a, a show that already did two hours of collision and it's three matches that uh isn't for all the belts it isn't for uh maybe more belts that we're more excited for want to see fought for on a on a one hour showing um i think this is something that they could do with like a rampage instead you know this to me isn't a a, a tv worthy matches they're not it's not the it's not the wrestlers per se like i'm not upset with them or with their performance or anything i'm upset with the idea the concept of this battle of the belts this isn't something that if you're gonna have this this should be a pay-per-view then have the pay-per-view itself battle of the belts where every single belt is on the line we have maybe new japan coming over ring of honor people coming up you know triple a even GCW guys, you know, having that and making the Battle of the Belts into an actual pay-per-view worthy thing, then okay, 
I could get behind it. I, I'm willing to pay the $50 for it for what actually could come of this. This is something that I don't think they put too much thought into. I, you know, it almost was like very close to the initial showing where they released the other two uh, title matches on like Thursday or Friday during, you know, Friday night SmackDown on Twitter. So like it kind of was like put together last minute. And it seems that way with each one of the other ones that have come together. So, you know, I, I think that they should do away with this as a TV thing. I, this should be more of a pay-per-view viewing. And if they were like, okay, we're going to make, you know, because going back to the first topic where HBO was trying to consider having AEW do more uh, pay-per-views, this is another one of those pay-per-views that would be very interesting to see. You know, a battle of the belts that's, you know, in a May, in a June setting or a September setting. It, cool. I'm excited for it. Let's see what actually comes of it. And having those three to four weeks kind of preparing storylines for the women's division, the tag team divisions, you know, the, uh, the TNT belt, the FTW belt, stuff like that. And then having them actually shown on a battle of the belts pay-per-view, I think is more event worthy than that extra hour that we had to stay up to watch three matches that were solid, you know, don't get me wrong. They were cool. They were, you know, exciting to see, but at the same time, it was like, I could have waited till tomorrow to see this. Like it, it wasn't worth that extra 60 minutes to stay up and, and, and watch that after watching such a great collision show prior, you know, and like, you know, that, that two out of three falls uh, for the tag team belts with, yeah, yeah. Juice and Jay and FTR, was fantastic. Willow winning the Owen Hart women's fantastic. Ricky and Punk's match. Amazing. So then to follow it up with like a Lance Archer match, I was like, all right, well, what are we doing here? Like what's, what's really going on over here? And then, you know, after that it was Tony and, and Taya Valkyrie. Cool. I guess like, I love Tony. Taya's great. There was no story. There was no build. There was no nothing. It was just they don't like each other, put them together. And then, you know, Sean Spears and Orange Cassidy. I would have liked to see maybe a little more build, a little more story to them compared to just throwing them together <clears throat> last minute and and that being it, you know, and not really having much of a substance behind the 60-minute show. You know, and, and, and it kind of goes for Rampage. I know this is a Battle of Belts topic, but... <laughs> You know, Rampage is my battle of the belts. You know, it, there's an hour-long showing where it could be more, and it is at times, more wrestling compared to a lot of nonsense, a lot of promos, a lot of things that are good builders that could be on a dynamite or a collision to set themselves up for an amazing pay-per-view down the road than just being like, oh, yeah, we're just going to throw these three people together and call it a, a belt match. It's like... No thanks. Uh, like you can you can miss me with this. I don't appreciate it. I would like to go to bed now. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm done here. I'm done here. So but actually, but... you could have solved the problem with Battle of the Belts, but call it Battle of the Belt Belts. Then and just put the FTR and the Bullet Club Gold match and put it and give it an hour. Give it 
give it two for my right. sake, make it a, a false count everywhere with seven first to seven or something like that instead, because right. that was for me, that was a piece of wrestling art right there, painted yes. in the ring or on a canvas everywhere. Give me that picture and paint it yes. in my living room. I want that. But but you have to look at, I think you have to um, look at maybe collation Battle of the Bells in two different ways because um, the two things there, they're, they're two, the Battle of the Bells, if you look at Luchasaurus and Sean Spears, if we take the first match, actually mm -hmm. Sean Spears has been talking a lot about he wants to have a chance at some belts for some championship. And he has been talking for about, he started talking about that actually at the at the podcast show at the WrestleCon, where he talked about, yeah. I wanted a chance. I wanted to go for some belts. I'm doing my own thing now. So actually the storytelling, if you're, if you were at that uh, recording, you could understand right. much more what was going on in that match than what really made sense because there wasn't so much build-up. There were some vignettes with Sean Spears as the chairman. He's a great stuff. He's a great wrestler, great guy. He has some great moves. He's an older guy in wrestling-wise. Right, but right. He still has a lot to offer. But I love the chemistry with a Christian playing Gollum-like type uh, manager clutching yeah. onto the belt. Like, well, he's the TNT my, champion, right? My, yeah, he is. Yeah, that's, what, that's, what, that's what the people are telling me. So I gotta, I gotta, yeah. I gotta agree with them, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you have to agree, and it's <laughs> much better to put the belt on Christian. He's such a great heel. Give, <laughs> give him some time. Give him some much more screen time. I like the way he's wearing this uh, turtleneck thing and yeah. walking around like like a younger version of Roger Moore, James Bond-like type. Yeah, yeah. Walking around saying the stuff like that. But but I think the other two matches was, yeah, Tony Storm, she has to have some other type of wrestlers to go up against than Taya Valkyrie. Because right. Taya Valkyrie is a great wrestler, no doubt about that. But I think she needs a much more better build-up. You have seen she, she can really work if she's giving the time and i think battle of the belts shows that sometimes they rush the matches yeah. too much because you have so much quality you have so great wrestlers christian cage is great luchasaurus whether you like him or not he can put on a great match lance archer is so much under an underrated wrestler yeah. in my eyes they don't utilize him right i think you really saw something good from him at the match against Orange Cassidy. Mm -hmm. Orange Cassidy, he's just so great, a comedy act, without a doubt. Yes. So unique, and I love the uniqueness in every, if you have a wrestler that's so unique like Orange Cassidy, because with the great music, he's so over, he has a lot of good stuff to offer. Right. No, I, I think I think you also hit it again, right hit right on the, uh, right on the head. Like, you know, and Kay Fabulous and, and, and Lewis have, some very interesting points too, especially Kay yeah. with how she was saying that it seems like they're just doing it because they feel like if they have insisted of a, a standalone show, they would uh, they care about that show a lot more. And it seems to be very true 
with that because it doesn't seem like they care either about the Battle of the Belts the way us fans would like them to care about something of the Battle of the Belts type of showing. You know, if they had that two-hour spot that Collision does or maybe Battle of the Belts Part 1 Friday, Part 2 Saturday night after Collision, you know, now you're making it more interesting. Now you can do three solid, you know, title matches Friday, three solid title matches on Saturday. Now you have something to work with. You now can build upon it throughout the week leading into those mini pay-per-view, non-pay-per-view matches that gives the fans like, wow, we got three amazing matches Friday night. If you missed it, like go out now on HBO Max and go rewatch it. Like you have to now watch it. Oh, you didn't watch uh, you didn't watch Battle of the Belts Part 2 on Saturday after Collision? Well, you're missing it, Banana Head. Go back there and go watch it because you need to. Like watching Orange Cassidy, watching MJF, seeing Christian Cage, seeing these moments that we like to see happen with these shows, I think that's something that they're lacking. And throwing it together, kind of just hoping it, it just sticks on the wall, is not a good method. And, and it could be something that could be a very cherishable thing that, honestly, every four months I wouldn't mind seeing. You know, twice a year, having a battle of the belts. Start on a Friday, end on a Saturday. Cool. You have an hour. Fantastic. Now you have that two hours, technically, between two different days to promote it, get it ready, get it excited, get these match built up. Very, you know, on a dynamite. Excuse me, on Twitter, on on Collision, ending of Rampage, leading into Collision, Collision itself, leading into Battle of the Belts Part 2, or scrap that and just make it a pay-per-view showing. Don't have it where it's just uh, a fly on the wall and hopefully it lands somewhere that's interesting and, and see if it works. And I think that's what they lack in that in that creativeness because it, it to me, when watching something about the belts, it was like, great, cool, I'm excited, but not really as much as it should be exciting to, to us fans because they're not putting as much oomph or much love and care into those details that they could within that 60 minutes. So, yeah, I, I think it'd be very foolish to, you know, if you're, if you're going to throw it away, throw it away. Great, cool. But if you're going to upgrade it, work upon it, you have these days to do that. You have the collision hour after. You have Rampage that can just turn into Battle of the Belts one week. No, I don't think anybody here in the wrestling community is going to lose their mind. Oh, now it's not Rampage this week. It's Battle of the Belts. Just let it go. You're gonna watch something a lot better. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, don't yeah, get all exactly. upset about. Yeah, don't get upset about it. You're gonna watch something a whole lot better. So let's just enjoy this moment because come next Friday you get Rampage again and everything goes back to normal. But speaking upon Battle of the Belts and everything else, you know, with the WWE quote unquote, we kind of had a roster split. We kind of had the some people to SmackDown. Some people the WWE. Now we have Collision. Now we have Dynamite. We have Rampage. Possibility of Battle of the Belts. Once in a blue moon showing up. Do we see in the future or do we see even now a roster split to an extent? I know there's been a lot of conversations, especially with the return of CM Punk and Kenny Omega 
Kenny doesn't really want to work with Punk after the whole media scrum about 10, 11 months ago now. Um, that's why he's mostly on Collision. It is the CM Punk show on Saturday nights, as many, many people call it. And then on Wednesday night, Dynamite, it's the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, and they're kind of running Dynamite itself. Is that something that to make these two monumentous shows become very important to the promotion of AEW and the brand, is that something that you would want to see happen in the near future where we split both men and women's division up so that way some of the people that aren't getting the look in AEW Dynamite in both men and women's division do have that opportunity to get it in something like a collision because they both have the two hours they both have enough time to do the promos, do the matches, and build up their stars, just like we saw with Nick Wayne's pr uh, premiere and debut this past Wednesday, which was an amazing match against Swerve. You know, is that something that now you would want to see happen with these two big powerhouse, uh, you know, pun intended, I guess, but powerhouse <laughs> shows, uh, you know, both Collision and, and Dynamite now that we have? I think actually we have an unspoken a roster split already mm -hmm. because the way Collision is built up, the way they're using, uh, putting together matches at Collision, we kind of see a direction that they're going towards. I don't think they would are quite there yet because if you're going to do a brain split, Collision, Dynamite split or call it whatever you want to call it right. you have to elevate much more female talent to yes. give it meaning and mm -hmm. i think aw is not is still not there yet with their female roster i think it's just shame yeah. because you see a lot of great female wrestlers like um, my heart is warm with the development of sky blue she's She's my girl. The, That's my girl right there. She's on the way to becoming something interesting. She's not quite there yet. She has mm -hmm. she has had some great championship matches. She's looking good with her coat blue or whatever you call it. Her finisher is right. a great finisher. But but still you have to look at her size. You have to look at her her her, her ring awareness. Mm -hmm. She's still got some work to do, and the, what can you say? The the not so good thing about her finisher, it's not that good with if she's going up against some bigger, bigger female wrestlers. Right. So I think they have to, if they're going to have a successful band split, mm -hmm. they have to split it also the the women, female roster as well. Right. In two parts, and the quality there. Is not quite there yet. Mm -hmm. so, now, oh, go ahead, go ahead, finish your statement because I have a question. I want to follow a question with that. So, so I think actually you you could have a successful brain split if you could get the wrestlers to sit down and behave like adults. Because <laughs> I am so <laughs> tired of hearing the same old story about this media scrum thing. I know. There's been errors on both sides. Yes. But I think I tend to go more towards CM Punk because he's actually trying to reach out. It seems like he's trying to reach out. Right, so right. It's just my interpretation of right. what's going on. I have to 
be very specific about that. He's trying to reach out. It seems like he's to the young box. He wants to do the blood and guts. Uh, maybe we don't know if that's true or not. But I think he's on a path of redemption. Okay. Hopefully, I think he's on a path of to a redemption. He's trying to redeem or undo what all the not so good stuff that he's done. He's he was with Ricky Stark. He's got Ricky Stark. So we're trying to do some great heel works with the uh, the sweet chin music, the stomping and the and the canvas and so on. It was yeah. great heel work from CM Punk, even though he was he tried to be a babyface still. Right. So so I think we we have they have to sit down round the table and then say, okay, we'll sort this out. We'll do the match, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega against CM Punk and FTR. Right. And then and then give them sixty minutes all out war get it out the system because that's the match that the people want that's a money making match that everyone oh, wants sure. to wants to see so get it out the system and then after that you could do something like that match and then you could do a brain split you have to have something maybe to give it a little bit of meaning right or well, it's almost say, like closure yeah you know closure. I mean? it's and almost then like you closure could yeah. exactly and then you have that split where Punk and FTR go and make Collision a, a number two show to what Dynamite is and having now that balance of the men and women's division there. We have the balance of the men and women's division on Dynamite and equal, and we both can have that intermedium change on Rampage and so on and so forth. I, I agree. I think that would be a very smart way of kind of ending this debacle that has consistently been in the news throughout all of Collision's premiere and 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 come forth and all of that, um, but now now I have I have two two things. One is the question I wanted to ask when you were talking about the women's division and stuff. But two was kind of just to briefly touch upon the the CM Punk thing and everything. Um, he has reached out exactly like you said. Uh, they were going to do something where Punk wanted to be a part of Blood and Guts. He reached out to both Kenny and the Young Bucks, but unfortunately the Young Bucks and Kenny did not want to do anything with him due to everything that was going on, uh, you know, from that whole incident way back when. And and because of that, you know, we got Abushi and we got uh, Pac, which honestly I'm not mad at either. I, I think this is still a very good win. We're going to have literally blood and guts on Wednesday. Like it's going, it's going to be violent and I'm very very, very excited for it. But the question that I actually had, which pertains to the topic, uh, is um, with what you said, you know, the women's division kind of being, a lack for better words, lackluster to some extent with a lot of the veterans seeming to be mostly on dynamite and a lot of the up-and-comers coming into their own on something like Collision, not having a veteran per se in the locker room kind of working with them and teaching them the ropes kind of doing the promo work and kind of give them giving them a history of what um their characters can develop on and their work and stuff is that something that you know i i, I feel like the answer is already yes from how you explained it before but do you think that with 
with the possibility or at least the silent split that has happened between the two brands with the roster, do you think that that's something that now needs to be adequated to collision for the women's division? Having those veterans like a Rio, like an Athena, like a Britt Baker come over to a collision showing for like a month or two with the likes of Sky Blue and Willow and a lot of the new, you know, people that have um, been coming up in the ranks, the Julia Hearts, um, and and kind of continuously working side by side to better them in and out of the ring, on the mic, and everything else. I think actually you need to have a very experienced wrestler at each show, mm-hmm. uh, like a Britt Baker. Who can you put on the others? I'm a little bit because Britt Baker is so interested she's such a great person and yeah i think she's really building up the women's rust and taking her as a locker room leader in the women's locker room but you need someone else also to take this take this part as a locker room leader on the other brain where Britt baker isn't and i don't really see who they can do that maybe if they could take in Mercedes Monet, Sasha Banks, former Sasha Banks, that could be something that she could elevate. What about a Thunder Rosa? Mm. I mean, I know we saw the return per se of her. She hasn't really been in the ring wrestling. Is that maybe someone going to collision we could see being that veteran on the side for the women's division? Or, or would you rather pull someone from like the outcasts like a ruby soho even or even a tony storm who's been both in wwe and aew now and kind of had best of both worlds on the indie scene as well like some of these up-and-coming young girls and stuff that are trying to be displayed unfortunately they're getting a lot of the jobber positions with a lot of the talent that we know of already currently is is that something more or less you think could be the direction AEW should go for having that equal balance. I think, yeah, I, I think actually AEW should go for some balance in the women's roster. I think another, as I was just thinking about it, I think another great um, thing could be maybe split up the outcast along the way and give Soraya that kind of, because mm. I think she still has the experience. She has the knowledge of what it takes to come back to fight for what you really believe in and how to succeed to come back after so many years of injuries right. and what it does to you. So she has this kind of life experience that will mm-hmm. give her, could give her this kind of position. So you could split the outcast along the way to get some internal conflicts or so on. And then you could do it. So you could have Soraya on one show and Britt Baker on the other. I like that. I like Soraya being the one that goes over. Cause like you said, she's the best of both worlds. You know, she worked with the WWE. She's been in the NBC scene prior. She's had a lot of injuries that did unfortunately prolong her wrestling career, but now has kind of helped her bounce back into this new role. I remember when uh, she returned, me and my buddy Sam, who I was talking to you about off-air prior, we went to Full Gear last year and saw Soraya wrestle for the first time. And it was awesome. Like, she was great. 
She looked like she didn't lose a step, even with all of that time off and away from the ring and everything. She really looks like she can still hold her own in the ring, you know, in that beautiful canvas, as we call it. Um, you know, it, it's it's something that might work out better for her in the position than, um, you know, where she's at now currently in this outcast uh, role. I know we over on Last Week in Wrestling, we hang out with a lot of great other podcasts and stuff like uh, No Bones, who, who uh, Kay Fabulous, she's a big fan of Tony Storm and she loves the outcasts and, you know, she doesn't, she, I don't think she wants anybody to break up like the judgment day or anything like that, but nonetheless, uh, you know, Thunder Rosa, um, you know, but nonetheless, like something of, something of that, you know, minor splittage, that minor moment of where you see, uh, you know, Tony and, and Ruby being the ones that, that wrestle more anyway, you know, at least now currently, compared to what Sarai has been doing. You know, I, I kind of compare her and I don't know. I, I don't think this is an insult. I like Paul Heyman, but I consider her the female version of Paul Heyman in the outcasts. Uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that's a slight. I don't think that's a diss. I admit some others think it is an insult. I don't think it's an insult. I like Paul Heyman. Um, but you know, nonetheless, um, yeah, it's just, it, it's, it's, it's something that I think, you know, and it's a topic that we continuously go back to here. And I feel like even in the wrestling community itself on other, other podcasters that I listen to, it's a, always a big thing. Why isn't the women's division having that balance? Where is the balance in that division? And when is it coming? Because as we've seen time and time again, um, we have amazing, talented women there that are really just superb. And it's a shame that there's only brief moments, two matches at most on pay-per-views that we see them actually wrestle when at times they outperform some of these men. And they really put on a showing for the money that we spend on the shows and tickets and merch and everything like that. So I'm I'm wondering where that balance is. I'm wondering when Tony's going to realize like we need to have that equal balance of the two divisions. And especially now with these two shows, it's a perfect way to do that. You know, having that moment of veteran wrestlers and up and comings are collision and veterans on dynamite and keeping dynamite alive that back and forth that rampage where we could see these veterans and up and comers fight to really test out their wits and abilities and strengths and then be able to promote them even more on podcasts i think that's something in the future we need to start doing and start screaming to the raptors for because as we go to these shows, as we go to these pay-per-views, as we watch these shows, you know, it's a once-a-week showing where you'll see some women's wrestling maybe twice, maybe three times if we're really, really lucky, you know. And a lot of the times that we get to see these women, they're facing others that are very green, they're very new, they're jobbers, it's squash matches, it don't even really count it honestly hurts them in many aspects because they're now having to step down their performance just to 
rush through this match very quickly and not be able to show um, what they need to do to really enhance their ability as, as great champions in the future. So hopefully, Tony, if you're ever listening, listen, you know, come on over. I would love to have a conversation conversation with you as well, but buddy, you know, let's let's get that balance, buddy. Let's get that balance of the of the women's division. We know Monday Night Raw is kind of doing it right now these past few weeks with Shayna and Ronda promos and Bahala and uh, you know Maxine Dupree, the tag, the gauntlet matches. Like it's a possibility. It's not like it's not. It's not like it's not a possibility. It it can happen, and we you know you're gonna have a lot more fans, a lot more women fans, a lot more men fans that are going to be coming to the shows, buying the merch and really praising it to the Raptors of, oh, do you see what such, you know, what such and such lady did today on SmackDown? Wow, that was better than Roman and Jey Uso. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be as great as that cinematic performances of all of them, but nonetheless, <laughs> it might be right there as the number two spot, you know, because those guys, those guys are just giving us like Marvel cinema at, at, at its, uh, at its finest. But um, is there anything else you wanted to add to this topic before we move over to some WWE stuff? Yeah, actually, there's uh, some, some some things I would like to add. Sure. I think, actually, if you look at this talent thing that we were talking about a little bit uh, just a few minutes ago, we, I think we have two pinpoints that they could really use. We have, You could put Julia Hart in one of the rosters and, and Sky Blue in the other because we, you have those two shining talents that you could really elevate if you put them together with, for example, Soraya, Britt Baker, mm -hmm. to give them that. Because I think Julia Hart, she has probably the best entrance ever in the women, in the in the AEW. Maybe it's mm. it's so fantastic for the women's side as well. N nothing really compares to maybe Chris Jericho or Adam Cole on the other. And one thing I think AEW has actually is actually onto something quite interesting with the blind tech team eliminator tournament. Oh, okay. All I right. think actually we should talk a little bit about yes, that. Yes, go ahead. Because they are onto something quite interesting and quite intriguing. And it was a genius move, if you ask me, to put Adam Cole together with MJF. Oh, the Be king. That's yeah, the king yeah, yeah. right there. That's the king of yeah. wrestling. I don't know who the tribal chief is. That's no. my tribal chief, all right? Yeah, yeah. Because watching MJF being a little bit of humbling, trying to be a baby face, doing the stuff and with the workout where he's little by letting, little getting under Adam Cole's skin to, mm -hmm. to get him to do some heel stuff like the eye poke, like the bad-mouthing Jim Ross uh, yeah. um, when they were working out and so on. If they could keep this going for a long time, they're really onto something that it could be their bloodline story if mm. if they really stretch it and use that dynamic because then you see the one the last week with the phone call to Britt Baker, she was a little bit annoyed and Roderick Strong telling Adam Cole that you cannot trust MJF and the things that they're doing, a lot of bro things and yeah. the double clothesline stuff. And uh, MJF is a genius with all his uh, elbow yeah. pets where you have this hidden saying, message yep. every time every time doing this stuff. And 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 you, you just sit and wait for MJF to turn on Adam Cole. 
you just sit and wait, when will he do it? And I think if you have to look at a long-term storytelling, this is great because you could use this to remove Adam Cole's focus on the championship belt that MJF, the triple B, that MJF is wearing at the moment because he sees Adam Cole maybe as the only one who can beat him. And he's Mm -hmm. using this tag team blind eliminator tournament to remove Adam Cole's focus on that belt and trying to get him to focus on them being the tag team champions. Right. That's a very good point. And I think this is so interesting because this shows that if you really use your creative mind, I think maybe it could be Brian Daniels and who knows that has get got got up with this idea it's a way that you all could also could do a shuffle with um with the singles tournament as well because people like this kind of tournament stuff where you get to see different kind of wrestlers uh, put together like for example it it worked quite well with uh, big bill and um, Brian Brian Cage. cage with the doomsdays um device but in a very different way, it was just Big Bill standing up. He didn't <laughs> need to go to the top. Or he just did the clothesline thing, the standing. It was so great um, to see this kind of creative mind and putting those two together because no one would expect those two working together. And it's right. actually from match to match developing to quite some good tag team. That's actually a very good point. I never looked at it like that with this whole blind eliminator tag matches and stuff. You know, I, I kind of just thought like to an extent they they were maybe running out of ideas for the tag team division. And, you know, there's only a select few, I feel, that are really tag team teams that are in AEW, you know, per se. You know, you have somewhat of the dark order, the elites, the, you know, house of black can go in a tag to a two man tag. Um, you know, a lot of these factions and stuff can be in a, in a two man tag per se, but, um, you know, meshing these, these almost outlandish creations together, the Frankenstein kind of effect of, of their creations, uh, of, of tag teams together, with like a big bill and a Brian cage. Like I would have never uh, expected something like that to, to be, um, you know, a tag team in, in any sort of the matter. You know, I didn't even expect really uh, Keith Lee and, and Dustin Rhodes to be a tag team of the sort of the matter, but it seems to work. It seems to work really well. And because it seems to work really, really well um, and everything it's, it's exciting to, to see these, um, guys even if it is for like a brief moment or a week or two um get their their um moment they're in the moment spotlight you know it, it's very exciting uh to see stuff like that so no I, that's actually a really good point i never i never thought of it that way that's that's very good i good it was good idea. that was a very good one i like that i like that a lot so so actually i'm hoping that we will see this they will go on to win the belts mm, that's I hope my dream yeah, because it would be quite a good story and them developing their friendship and Adam Cole getting more and more alienated with Roderick Strong, Britt Baker, and maybe we'll see uh, them 
splitting up on screen because of MJF and uh, and so on. So it could be a quite a good story that they could keep going for a year or so uh, without removing an MJF just having some matches where he beats different kind of guys right. up, uh, maybe like Big Bill and so on. So, yeah. And actually, I'm, I must say I have a sweet spot for Big Bill because I think he's really going to uh, to embrace this big guy personality with okay. doing a lot of great work, actually. So okay. I think the people out there should be watching Big Bill going forward this next I half year now. or so. I will now, looking, looking forward to the next AEW show uh, yeah. where Big Bill is going to be on. I will now because... Uh, because that's what you said, uh, because of what you just said. But, um, you know, what's really funny. I have two very good friends of mine, um, Wolf and Willie from Willie Does Wrestling, um, who are big fans of the Undisputed Era with Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong. So uh, I think their fantasy is that uh, Kyle comes back and recreates the Undisputed Era in a sense with maybe Roderick, and they try to take out Adam Cole to... Um, show Adam Cole, like, look, man, MJF's a bad guy. Like, I don't know why you're not seeing this, but MJF's not the guy that you think he is and everything as possibly the new tag team champions. Um, so, I, hey, I, I would love to see Kyle O'Reilly back in action. I'd love to see Kyle O'Reilly back in the ring. It'd be very nice. So, hopefully that fantasy comes true so that they uh, we get a big pop uh, and everything and maybe a nice, uh, nice little reunion of uh, the Undisputed Era and, and AEW, the three of them. Um, but, um, yeah, that's, um, that's, I like, I like that. I like what you said though. I do. I think that was a very good way of looking at the, the blind eliminator tag matches. Cause I think this type of idea could work really well for even the women's division for, for someone like Tony storm, you know, now being able to have, um, random, uh, eyes, uh, women wrestlers kind of come together that you would never expect, you know, someone again, you know, Athena, let's say against, uh, you know, Julia Hart or Julia Hart against Taya Valkyrie and Valkyrie against Willow and, and so on and so forth and have these moments that um, can really elevate the, the division itself and bring a lot more of a spotlight to a lot of these women and men that, that maybe don't get the spotlight enough or at all really uh, in, in both uh, big promotions like Collision and, uh, and AEW. But for that, we're going to wrap that up, and we're going to start talking about some WWE things. Um, of course, the WWE's biggest, biggest news uh, right now is SummerSlam is about a weekish away, maybe two now, if I do my math correctly. I know this Sunday, I believe, is uh, NXT. Uh, what should we call it? NXT? No, no, no. It's not this Sunday. Next Sunday is NXT. So two weeks away from um, SummerSlam, the big old SummerSlam, the mania. Uh, the second mania of manias, as some people call it. Another the greatest big, party of the summer. The greatest party of the summer. I like that. I'm going to have to use that hashtag when we do the uh, the watch along. I'm going to give you the credit, though. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, but, yes, the, the big party of the summer. Of course, SummerSlam. And the biggest conversation, uh, besides everything else that's big in, a, uh, in WWE, is Roman Reigns, Jey Uso. We got it. We're getting it. It is happening. Jay versus Roman for the undisputed international. I don't even know what's the name of the belt at this time. Uh, belt the belts uh, that Roman has. Maybe it's all three belts he's going to win. Who knows? But nonetheless, 
Um, from these past Friday night SmackDowns, we saw the tribal court kind of be reinstated again with the Usos against Roman Reigns, talking about how he's been very neglectful, very um, evil towards his own family after winning this belt, becoming the head of the table, the tribal chief, as he calls himself, in God mode, uh, as, as he proclaims. And, um, you know, not really being family friendly to his actual bloodline, to his actual family, pushing around Jay and Jimmy. And, of course, when we saw um, recently in the recent pay-per-view, I, I, the name is escaping me uh, right now. It's, it wasn't Crown Jewel. Uh, Night of Champions, that was it, uh, where Jimmy decided enough was enough and super kicked to uh, Roman Reigns. And, of course, Jay followed suit, and they had their uh, moment, of course, on Friday Night SmackDown uh, after that. And now we're at this. We're at now where Jimmy, unfortunately, is injured. And as reports have come in today, he is not going to be in the picture for the foreseeable future. Um, so with all of that, and now the match happening a few weeks away, do we think Jay Uso is the one to dethrone the tribal chief at SummerSlam? Uh, my short answer is no. Okay. Because I don't really see that happening now because everything is built up around this. I must choose my words wisely this story about cody rhodes finishing the story <laughs> and when and when they did not finish that story and he said it's roman's belt that he's going for i think roman will <clears throat> keep the belt until wrestlemania 40. okay uh, and i think he will lose it there i said it also at 39 but i think he will lose it there to uh Cody Rhodes and okay. uh, I, my wrestling heart says I hope that Jay Uso because that would put an end to this bloodline story starting with Jay finishing with Jay right so it will be the best way to set the final score and settle all this bloodline stuff and moving on to other things right but but if you finish this I think the, the problem with this storyline, it's so consuming of everything that is happening in WWE at the moment that you will create a vortex or a vacuum of what is going to happen now. You don't have such a great, great storyline that you could take over because you're also creating some rifts at the um, Judgment Day, but you have this great thing about, oh, and that really warmed my heart when uh, the Almighty came back in a great, great limousine yep. and picking up Street Profits. Yeah, I think we'll see some kind of new Hurt Business, and that could take over from the Broadline story, but it's still so new, so we don't know exactly the dynamics but they really have to be careful I, I hope that jay will win because it will be picture perfect ending to this feud bloodline feud but i think they have some other plans with roman going all the way to wrestlemania uh, 41. i kind of i kind of agree with that as well you know logically speaking yeah 
it's probably the easiest thing and it makes the most sense having Roman go to WrestleMania 40 next year at Philly. Um, still universal three belt Roman champion. Something. Yeah. Whatever we're calling this belt now, I, I, I guess, uh, you know, it, it, it makes logical sense in that aspect, but two fans alike, like yourself, like mine, Mike, everybody in the fantasy faction, I think having that moment of Jay winning, I think is a perfect ending to this bloodline story and maybe this next chapter for solo Sokoa, you know, many, or at least I view it as if Jay were to win the belt at SummerSlam, this now would be the final nail in the coffin for Roman, but it would be the first moment of clarity for solo. And now seeing Roman be defeated by not only his own family, two on two, but now seeing him be defeated by family one on one is that moment of, excuse me, realization that Roman isn't who he says he is. Roman isn't this tribal chief, the tribal god, the god mode king himself. He isn't what we have made him out to be. He is a regular person who has been very fortunate to be a triple title holding champion for a very long time, but due to his actions has caused him to face the karma that will follow suit. Now, will it take as long as WrestleMania 40? Majority of people say yes. It's going to be Cody. They'll have their another, you know, another one of their classic matches, and then that'll be that. If it is Jay, Jay wins. Jay keeps it for a little while. Jay now has that moment. But the new feud that comes from this is Jay and Solo Sokoa. It is still bloodline v. bloodline. The bloodline story doesn't really end. It just sets off on a new chapter. You know, there's that fan theory that Solo's the one to face Cody at WrestleMania 40 since he was the one to help cost Cody the championship belt at WrestleMania 39 against Roman. And Rome and Cody taking the belt from Solo in essence, taking the belt away from Roman again, in essence, taking down the bloodline himself, kind of plays into the whole story itself. But at the same time, the bigger name of Roman Reigns, mainlining WrestleMania, that's, of course, what we're most likely going to see. But fan theory, because we like to have fan theories over here, is that, you know, Jay has it, Jay loses it to Solo, Solo and Cody for WrestleMania 40. And to be honest, I think that's a bigger story than what the bloodline has already given us to date. Because if Jay is the one to defeat Roman and Solo decides to go on his own path with Paul Heyman on his side, Solo kind of 
forging his own way forward makes sense to some. I mean, yes, he hasn't been a champion in any aspect in the WWE, um, you know, or really hasn't even been in that title conversation, hasn't had a U.S. opportunity, uh, international, intercontinental belt opportunity, really hasn't been in any of that type of, uh, of, of, of talks. But the possibility of it is kind of there on the table. Um, though, with Roman most likely retaining at SummerSlam, and to your point of Cody, quote-unquote, finishing the story, where if we think about it, there is no, you know, I I, I know I'm talking a lot, but and I, I'm going to cut it after this, but uh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> is that, um, you know, Dusty Rose's father had the hard times promo. We're kind of seeing it now in a modern take. Some say this should be uh, him taking a lot more losses than wins or 50-50 balance. There should be, you know, if we're going to do this modern take, then that's what this is currently. If it is Cody and Roman, is is this the end of the bloodline in its entirety at SummerSlam then? Or is it going to be finally finished at WrestleMania 40? I think that you should actually finish it at WrestleMania 40. I don't know in which shape or form they should but i think it would be the right way if they want to elevate solo to something new they should also use him in one way or the other to maybe beat jay to be the next in line to do something like to elevate him i don't think solo i don't see i don't think that wwe sees solo as main event potential as of now Mm-hmm. They are slowly introducing him, getting him to be more and more in the picture, getting to the fans to know him more and more like this uh, Umaga type of thing, not speaking that much, only using the Samoan spike, which, which is great. But I think they have to cultivate more on the solo character to get him to be this unstoppable force get to, he has to have a lot of wins as a soul as <laughs> as a, a single worse wrestler instead to build him as a single character not as a roman reigns sidekick and right. you could do that from summer slam until wrestlemania to get him to be undefeated maybe to get him to go up against jay to to cement his status as the next in line at the bloodline, and then mm-hmm. maybe get him to cast Roman Reigns the belts. Mm. So yeah. this to get this kind of poetic justice. Mm. Okay. Maybe. Okay. So Man, listen, I love fantasy talking. I yeah. do. I do. I love fantasy booking. I love fantasy talking. Having these type of conversations is what makes podcasts very, very interesting. So I, I I'm for all for it um, in its entirety. I also am for, and you kind of brought it up a little bit before, the the fact that the Hurt Business might be expanding its faction with the Street Profits. And kind of going back to the first topic, is this the new bloodline that starts taking charge 
in the WWE? Is this something where, you know, maybe two guys are in Raw, two guys are in SmackDown, and there's Omos kind of floating in the midst of NXT, where the Hurt Business is on all three big promotion shows, and the Hurt Business is trying to establish themselves as a faction that is bigger and better than the Bloodline, than the Judgment Day, and factions that have come before. I think that would be a great idea, but I think one thing that's important to elevate the Hurt Business to get it to be a more interesting faction this time is to not use Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin now because they are great wrestlers, no doubt about that, but I don't think that they have this, what can you call it, swag as the other wrestlers do, like, like Angelo Dawkins, like... Montez Ford, like the Almighty, like man, it would be. It sounds a little bit strange to say, to connect the two things, swag and Umas. But Umas has some strange kind of swag, being this great unstoppable force guy, even though he's got beaten two times. Yeah. But, uh, but 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 you could use this and maybe put Bianca Belair into the mix as well, because she has this kind of heel thing turn and. So I think it could be a good way or a good bridge or a segue to do something new. You have mm-hmm. to have this, like you said it yourself, a Marvel kind of storytelling. You have to have this over arc thing that's hovering all over both promote both Raw and SmackDown and, and NXT as well, doing damage everywhere and getting to have this kind of unstoppable force as Roman is. So you give it meaning when you put someone up against this guy. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. And having having maybe then Shelton and Cedric kind of being in that NXT show, I think would kind of work yeah. more yeah, in their favor than having someone like the Street Profits who've been very swaggered out uh i'm gonna take your word for a sec but swaggered out in in monday night raw uh you know having the the unstoppable being the unstoppable force of omas and mvp coming to smackdown you know omas is a free agent so he can kind of loom and gloom wherever he chooses kind of like brock lesnar um you know and be on any one of these shows so that's that's always a nice thing to be that type of free agent with that type of um, ability behind, but the bigger thing I think, and and to your point, is having you know Omos kind of being that person in maybe SmackDown uh, with uh, with MVP and 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 start doing some things and work over there to establish the Hurt business with Bobby Lashley and in, in that aspect over there, because um, it doesn't really seem with the way the Hurt business has been portrayed as of recent um they're not really a faction per se as they once were they're very uh sporadically improvised at moments that matter but not at all at the same time like omas was there he did his thing he had his matches he lost those matches but he was there he had his presence you know he went on that win streak um, street profits 
are very exciting. They're very cool to watch. I am I am big fans of the Street Profits. I do know someone who's not so much a fan of the Street Profits at all in the slightest. Um, but we don't we don't bash him for it. He's still a good guy. Um, but nonetheless, like we we see Cedric and and Shelton who have had extraordinary careers, especially Shelton Benjamin, who in in many aspects I think was the first Dolph Ziggler before Dolph Ziggler, where they had to and could have pushed Shelton Benjamin to the moon and given him those big championship opportunities, but never did, never really believed in his full potential that he's shown throughout his years of being a WWE-only superstar. Um, so I, I think that now kind of having the Hurt Business grace their presence around these three promotions would be very interesting and very formulaic to see what can come from that, especially with the other two factions of the Judgment Day and Bloodline kind of in, in their in their sights, per se. I think, and if you put Carmelo Hayes into the mix as well, you have this young talent that could come under Bobby Lashley's wings to For bring sure. him up and let him get to know because I'm... I'm a very big Camelo Hayes fan. Oh, okay. I watch him actually. Yeah, I watch him actually winning the belt from Braun Baker at um, Stand and Deliver just before WrestleMania at the, the Crypto Arena as well. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was he came in in this uh, Lakers-inspired colors and yep, yep. That was a great. He started out the match. You could see he was actually a little bit of nervous doing a botch, but he came back brilliantly and delivered a fantastic match with Braun Baker. So um, so hopefully they will bring him up um, mm -hmm. to to be to be this talent that they could develop on. And and maybe also I think if the Hurt Business should actually work very great, it could be this that they had Street Profits, they had Bobby Lashley, that you have Omash, you have Carmelo Hayes, and maybe one other talent you have this Inofi guy on um, on NXT as well, so you could bring up some of the younger talent to get them to be introduced into the main roster and get the audience to know them, so they could use it for talent development also. Because mm. I think they really, really need this to bring up some new inspiration into the main roster. I think okay. it's too static at the moment. Okay. I like that. Okay. I can so, see that. I could see that. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, it seems very to that point, it seems very um telling to see where a lot of these wrestlers are can go in the near future. A lot of them aren't getting the looks that a lot of them definitely deserve, like the ricochets and shinsuke's or you know, even um you know, now we have like the Viking Raiders and now Alpha Academy really showing in stride what they would they can really do from where they were maybe a few months back where, you know, they were there, they did their matches, they had good moments, nothing noteworthy. You know, everyone was chanting Chad Gable. Uh, now they're chanting Alpha Academy, you know, and it's that 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 shift in in the talent that has kind of superseded itself. Now to all of them in that faction is, is very exciting to see where that faction, especially with the Viking Raiders, 
are going to be going and, and how that tag team division is kind of going to grow from where they have it uh, as of now. And, you know, maybe the Street Profits are one of those people that, that can elevate it to the next level and add a little bit more of, uh, I'm going to steal your word again, swag uh, to the tag team division and, and bring it to that next, um, that next level, that next bar of, of, of a division that we would like to see happen. You know, definitely WWE, same with AEW, you know, going back to that, it's, it's, it's kind of the same with you have talented superstars, men and women, and there's moments where you see them. There's more moments that you don't. And when you do see them, they're very kind of pushed very quickly or they're shoved down your throat a lot and it doesn't work. And then they're, yep, they're just tossed away and then maybe comes back four months later and they're trying it again. And if it doesn't work again, then they're just shelved. And then that's that. And it's, and it's sad because there's a lot of potential for a lot of these guys. I know the, the Creed brothers uh, are, are potentially coming up and a lot of other but new. The Creed brothers, they have to work on their finisher. Really? Yeah, that one right. is uh, that uh, close line, low close line thing that they're doing. Okay. They, they are great wrestlers. It. They are great wrestlers, great technicians. I love the dynamics between those two, but they should do a kind of a doomsday device as we were talking about with Big Bill, but they could stand on the top rope instead. Right, because yeah. They're, they're, so they're so technical, solid, that they could do a lot of great stuff. And they would be a perfect addition to the main roster's tag team division because mm -hmm. we need those new tag team talents. Yes. Bring them up like Alba Fire and Isla Dawn, but they're not using them. Why? Nope. Use the talent because it's so inspiring for all the other people that they have on the NXT roster because then again you would see if you don't utilize the talents of the tag teams division or single wrestlers in general you will see them more and more the talents jumping over to maybe AEW maybe jumping over to Impact GCW MLW and so on and so on mm -hmm. instead because they're not getting used they're not getting the proper push right yeah. So, so I think it's they have to elevate them more. Yeah. To get no, a better and much more, as what can I say a larger roster, so you right. can shuffle more instead right. of. Yeah. Instead of, of seeing a version of the brawling brutes going up against uh, the they're great. I love them. Pretty deadly. It's oh, so yeah, sad they're that very good. I love those two guys. It's fantastic. You have something unique. What a shame that I think it was Elson Prince that's injured or something like that with his shoulder or so on. I saw him in a sling or mm -hmm. after. So we need more of pretty deadly. Yeah. Just, I, and, so. yeah and to your point, like I think we just need new fresh faces yeah. in the tag team division, you know, and, and I think with that and, and what we do have, in the tag team division kind of meshing with the new talent would be very refreshing to see and, and kind of elevated to the next, uh, the next um, moment or, or, or rank. I know I'm losing my words here, but uh, you know, the, the next big thing, uh, I'll just say that. And, and uh, seeing a very uh, exciting tag team division in the future, I, I think is always a good thing and always brings precedent to what 
what can come of the next generation? Because as of now, we do not really have a tag team as tag team champions. Mm -hmm. We have two great single wrestlers put together with a great storyline and still it brings roots to the bloodline, the yeah. Marvel-esque the storytelling. But you could actually do that. You could pull all the strings when you when you split the bloodline, also take the belts off of Sammy and KO when you, what can you say, split the bloodline finally, because they have ties to the bloodline as well. Right. Bring the belts on to a tech team, not two great single wrestlers, and right. then elevate a new tech team like maybe Pretty Deadly, Creed Brothers, or so on. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I like that. I like that idea. But speaking of talent that might need a little bit of touch up, a little bit of a little bit of work per se, uh, there has been a lot of conversations this past weekend about Austin Theory's wrestling career in the WWE. Um, you know, Austin Theory being the current United States champion has had some good matches throughout his time as the United States champion, um, but none that are very, very memorable in, in many aspects. You know, we saw him with the whole um, selfie game gimmick under Vince McMahon. He got out of that. He became this heel. He's now A-Town down. He became a United States champion. He's wrestled John Cena. But there's not really much to him, many say. Many say that his time is kind of coming up. And maybe it's time to either put him back into the NXT locker room to redevelop, re-get re a new gimmick possibly, or just brush up on some skills, or possibly put him in an indie circle again, back to Evolve where he started, and kind of start a new gimmick, a new... Uh, phase of the theory um, lineage where he was initially discovered, you know, from WWE, which is uh, Evolve is the company that he worked for. Um, now, you know, maybe putting him back to that indie scene, redevelop himself, maybe get a new character, new gimmick. Is that is that something you also see? Are you are you happy with what we have of Austin Theory? Are you excited? for what is to come with Austin Theory with this new United States elimination tournament that they've been doing um, as of these past few weeks? I actually think the savior <laughs> of Austin Theory is, you could put it quite simple, it's LA Knight. Mm. Give him a feud with LA Knight to elevate him. And also the one thing that you could... Illinite is more or less unspoken turned babyface, but you could tweak up the heel character of Austin Theory, making him more narcissistic than he's already is. Mm. So you, you have to, and he has to be more like a good one. A good point is has to be more like Grayson Waller, who is to me, I've spoken about him a lot uh, also on our own podcast as well and saying this is a guy to watch because he has the package he knows his way around social media 
And right. that's, that's the thing that Austin Theory lacks. He lacks the way of using the social media to cre create buzz around him, to create feuds, to do things. Because in my mind, Austin Theory is a fantastic wrestler with a skill set like a lot of, like not so many wrestlers actually. But I think actually WWE is some kind of way is holding him back to really let him, if you let him show what he can really do, if you watch a lot of his indie matches, this is a damn good wrestler that you have there, but you're holding him back. You can see the way his, the rolling drop kick, it's fantastic. His finisher, you could work on that, I think, because he has enough power to do. I don't think that the uh, A-Town Down thing is a good finisher. Like, it's mm -hmm. just a bad copy of Go to Sleep or something like that. You should give him to redevelop Austin Theory, maybe to get him to more heelish or to even to tweak up the heel thing. Uh, but I think it's it's just... It's just the, the, under the surface. You just have to let him to break through in one way or the other because I think he has all the right tools to be a very good heel or to be a main heel, actually. If you give him the right fuse, actually, what maybe one feud with LA Knight to be to elevate him to a new level and and maybe get and to have him to have more fuses. The likes of Sheamus, maybe Drew McIntyre or something like that. Right. Yeah. To let I, him show what he can do in the ring. Right. And I think to your point, like, you know, if you compare, I don't like comparing them, but sometimes you gotta, in the sense of Grayson Waller versus, you know, Austin Theory. Grayson does really know how to be that villain, be that bad guy. And it's it comes to him so naturally he fits the shoes so well that sometimes you almost forget that he's a wrestler. And when you're watching him in, in, in commentary or what have you, you know, he truly is just uh, a bad guy. Uh, you know, he's had an amazing match with edge over at MSG recently. Edge even showed him respect by shaking his hand after the fact, um, you know, after they had their little moment to moment, uh, interesting heel, to babyface uh, at the Wall uh, Grayson Waller effect show earlier in the night, uh, and then of course having that moment with John Cena at uh, you know uh, Night of Champions or other pay per view that was recent. Uh, I, I might be confusing the two. Was it Night of Champions? I think it was Night of Champions. No, actually, Grayson Waller didn't. Wasn't a Night of Champions. He was. Actually, it was I don't really recall when it was actually. So it, yeah, it was a recent pay per view yeah. that Cena was talking about. Oh no, Money in the Bank. Yeah, that was Money it. in the Bank. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I was like, it's in London. I, I think I'm trying to put piece together right now. Um, but you know, when when he had that uh, interaction with John Cena, it was very good. And you know, that's two legendary names in a less than a week span of him being um on the actual roster, and at that time hasn't even wrestled in WWE due to an injury. But when he finally did decide to wrestle in WWE, his first opponent was Edge, and he put on a four out of five showing. And to me, someone who 
came from NXT. Your first match is against someone of the likes of Edge, or the rated R superstar, a legend in his own right. You know, you compare it to Austin Theory and what he's done before the gimmick drop, the new gimmick, and the little feuds that he's had with Bronson Reed and and Bobby Lashley and the United States title matches and stuff were great, but they were kind of boring some. I think where he kind of peaked was at the Elimination Chamber where it was him and Seth was the final two. And, of course, you know, Logan Paul came in to ruin Seth's chances to to obtain the United States uh, Championship. And, of course, Austin Theory, being the heel that he is, took that advantage and, of course, retained his belt. Um, But now, as of lately, you don't really hear from Theory. You don't really see much of Theory. There isn't really any Theory matches that many could even recall. Um, You know, and and that's why I beg the question of, you know, is it time maybe – for that character change is a time for a couple of tweaks in in the in the uh character development like you said you know maybe the finisher changes maybe more heel work is what happens maybe he takes a little step back to work on his promo skills and his heelish work and becomes a little bit more narcissistic and a little bit more agile to um you know different type of opponents and maybe wrestling with bigger guys like the Drew McIntyre's or Bobby Lashley's Sheamus's of the world than just regular opponents like a Ricochet or Shinsuke or someone in his weight class, make him go above and beyond and kind of really prove that he is uh, an amazing wrestler. Like he's always been, even when he was in um, evolve uh, in the indie scene where he's came from. Um, I don't think he's a, a non talented wrestler. I just think more or less, as a champion now, he hasn't been as exciting as we all thought he was going to be. But maybe the saving grace is L.A. Knight. You know, L.A. Knight, I mean, what what can't you say about L.A. Knight? You know, he is the it factor. He is the guy. He is a champion without a belt. He is everything in between. Everybody loves him. Everybody's saying his name. He's outselling NWO and T-shirt sales. Like, he's... He's that guy. And I think, you know, to save that United States championship division and and um, kind of bring theory to the next level, maybe is the L.A. Knight. You know, they both have that skill on the mic to an extent, one more than the other. But maybe this is the work that he needs with someone that's very new to this business as well, at least in a WWE aspect. And can go toe for toe with someone a little bit above his weight class to an extent like an LA Knight. I think actually the dream feud for the US title is Grayson Waller versus LA Knight Mm. in the foreseeable future. But I think actually you should put theory on the sideline, let people forget a little bit about him and then Mm. let him do a dirty heelish run in where he costs someone the belt and then set up a new feud to get him to give him a new edge, a new start in one way or the other. Maybe, yeah, in a foreseeable pay-per-view. To put him maybe three, four months out when he loses the belt to LA Knight. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and then let him come back. I think it will be a good thing for Theory. Okay, 
I like that. Yeah, I, like, I, I think that's a good idea too. You know, putting them on the back burner for a little bit, kind of let them work out some kinks in the armor and 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 kind of redevelop himself to an aspect um, exactly. that you know we we then see him come in and, and ruin uh, Grayson Waller retain an LA Knight retain you know maybe a, a Jay Uso retain if he wins at SummerSlam something of that nature having a feud with somebody of of a, of a different caliber I think would also be very refreshing and and nice to see what um, someone like Austin Theory could do with that, um, you know, in, in the near future. So, but is there anything else you would like to talk about before I kind of wrap up the, the show itself? I think I could talk for hours about wrestling. So oh, don't ask me that question. Yeah. It was actually, you normally you say, don't ask stupid questions, but I think we were, I think I have to go to bed. Actually it's 11, nearly 11 o'clock here in Denmark and I have to go to work tomorrow. I but understand. I would like to say two things. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Absolutely. Uh, hopefully we will do this again because for it sure. was such a pleasure talking with you. You are a fantastic guy and big shout out to your podcast. I will do a lot of promo stuff when you release the podcast episode and so on with spamming my Instagram stories and so on. Hopefully we will get a lot of Danes to listen to your podcast so you can yes. uh, reach number one in Denmark. Hopefully. Yeah, I'm number seven right now. It's, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. it's crazy to say. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, this is actually what wrestling is all about for me. Mm -hmm. Talking with great people, being on this great podcast and doing podcast with myself because i think actually wrestling is about sharing knowledge helping each other talk wrestling be have different opinions and and just just love wrestling so thank you again for having me here in this uh, this podcast and talk about wrestling but i could i have so much to talk about so oh, yeah but one last thing i should probably do a little bit what can you say uh a promo or something like yeah, that. Yeah, go for, right uh, ahead. My podcast. Sure. So if there's some Danes listening to this podcast in English out there, we still have this podcast called In Danish Wrestling Unerten. And you can find us on Facebook and uh, Instagram. I think you'll actually said you will uh, drop the so link. Yeah, I, I dropped, your, I dropped yeah. your link in the bio. Yep. Thank, thank you so much. And, and again, you have to listen to this podcast. This guy actually knows a little bit about wrestling. So thank you and uh, adieu and good night. Yes. Thank you guys so much. I yeah. appreciate everybody tuning in. That has been the last week of wrestling podcast. That has been Nikolai from the wrestler and the ner nerds. I will be seeing you all in a few hours over on Willie's channel to watch Monday night raw on that watch along. And of course, if you want to go follow him, which you definitely, definitely need to go ahead down below in the description, there's all of his links to his podcast his social media and everything else in between. So make sure you go ahead and show him love. Like you have been showing us over here. We're about 900 plus away from hitting that 5,000 mark subscribers over on YouTube. It is crazy to even say that. And uh, yeah, number seven in Denmark. It's crazy. So hello, Denmark. And good night, Denmark, as we depart for today and hopefully get together really soon uh, for another amazing episode. Have a great night, guys, and see you soon.